The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. <laughs> Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where it sure seems like Kyle Kuzma's overall trade value in the last week has shot right up to the top like a star in heaven that we can't reach. If we're trying, yeah, we're breaking free. Oh, we're breaking free. Because, yes, that's right, Vanessa Ann Hudgens now comes as a package deal in any outgoing trade involving Kyle Kuzma. So if we're going to be trading Canessa, we better be getting a legit star back. But do we want to trade them at this point? All that and more in tonight's Lakers Legacy Podcast episode. Uh, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez. It's been a little bit of a hot minute. Took a small hiatus uh, to work on this writer's program application that I've applied for. So wish me well on that. Uh, Tommy and Alan have been extremely busy in their New Year's as well, and uh, I guess collectively we're all still trying to catch our bearings in 2020. Um, so, in uh, lieu of Tommy and Alan to help me out tonight, uh, his fourth time on the show, McDonald's mogul, 30-plus year Lakers season ticket holder, my best friend, Mr. Andy Chang. Hey, hey. Welcome back. How is the uh, new year treating you, and how are we feeling about the Canessa love pairing? Yeah, I I think we all know that that's just a, a short-term thing. I, I don't think that's going to happen very long, but <laughs> he's got the look. He's got the blonde hair. He's got the little scribbles on his the back of his head, so I, I think it, you know that's what's getting him all these good dates. <laughs> <laughs> I read on Twitter, there was this funny joke, and I apologize that I don't know who wrote it, but they pretty much put, uh, Vanessa's the only rebound that Kuzma can catch. Ooh, <laughs> that is true. That is true. Hey, you also recently found out that she'll be having another baby boy in uh, 2020, so uh, yes. congratulations. The start Thank of you. some, is this the start of some Ball Brothers for you and your family, maybe? Oh yeah, for sure. We're only three away from a complete team. So we're working on it. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, but welcome back to the show. I think if Hillary Duff divorces her husband and starts dating Alex Caruso, you might as well just hand us the championship because uh, Lizzie McGuire and the Caruso goat would be too awesome. Um, but yeah, you're doing well in 2020, Andy? Yeah, so far so good. I can't complain. I think um, the Lakers definitely hit a little snag, but uh, overall they've been keeping my spirits high. Great. Yeah. And that snag you're talking about is the loss to the Boston Celtics, of course. If we had just taken that away, it would be a perfect uh, January for the most part. Um, what is the McDonald's seasonal item of 2020 to start this new year? Is there a new item or <laughs> what is uh, ongoing right now? Uh, let's see. Well, January, we never really roll anything new out. But okay. uh, end of February, beginning of March, we're going back to the Shamrock. The Sham Wow, what? Shamrock. That's a Celtics thing. 
Yeah, but this time we're mixing it into our um, our ice cream. Ooh, okay. So we'll have a McFlurry Shamrock. Nice. Which is new to us, yeah. So keep on the lookout for that. There you go. Uh, tonight's episode is brought to you by the McDonald's Shamrock Flurry. <laughs> Shamrock Flurry. <laughs> uh, not associated yeah. with the Celtics whatsoever. All right. With that said, um, the Lakers handily beat the Brooklyn Nets tonight to move to 36-9, and which is one win off last year's regular season win total. Insane. Wow. Um, the Lakers are 10-2 and in the new year. They are also 12-0 and in back-to-back sets. We are undefeated when playing two games in a row, which is, I can't even comprehend that. Tells a lot about the Lakers and their fight and their ability to push through uh, fatigue and whatnot. So good on them for that. Obviously, they are still first in the West. They have the best road record in the league at 20-4. and And we just found out today that LeBron James and Anthony Davis will be all-star starters. I think this is the first time in a while that we've had two all-stars starting in the all-star game right since yeah. Kobe and pow pretty much Pow, yeah, yeah it's, it's insane <laughs> um and because they won against the brooklyn nets tonight frank vogel will also be coaching the west <laughs> and then to top it all off dwight howard is going to be back in the slam dunk contest so uh full star-studded lakers lineup heading to chicago uh this all-star weekend coming up in february which is a lot of fun Oh, yeah. And lastly, LeBron James is about to pass Kobe Bryant in total NBA points scored ever to uh, move up to number three. And he's going to do it in Philadelphia, Kobe's hometown, my second hometown of all places. And uh, don't you think that's quite poetic? I know a lot of people are like, maybe LeBron should save it for when he comes back to Staples. But now that we see that their next opponent is in Philadelphia, that seems a little bit more fitting, in my opinion. What about you? <laughs> who's, who's after Philly? I think we're back home. We play the Clippers. Oh, that is the Clipper game. Okay. Yeah, I'd rather do it on the road against Philly for sure. Yeah. And um, who knows? Maybe Kobe might fly out. Just kidding. He's not going to do that. Um, (laughs) But yeah, everything is right in the world and Lakers land in spite of the fact that we lost to the Boston Celtics earlier this week. Um, But in spite of that and in spite of the the bit of lackadaisical sloppy and disinterested play that the Lakers have been exhibiting um, the last week or so. I feel like they've still managed to stem the tide of their own malaise, New Year malaise uh, this year, and been able to maintain the great vibes of this overall season. Uh, So tonight, quick outline, we're going to do a mid-season temperature check on, I guess, just how confident we are about this team in light of all these accolades that I just listed out. And whether there are any lingering concerns um, we have that we think the Lakers should address as we head into the trade deadline, which is just about a week and a half away, February 6th. And then after that, we're going to talk a little bit about Kyle Kuzma's role, whether he fits with Anthony Davis and LeBron James, fits their timeline, and whether the deadline could potentially present a better fit, not named Kyle Kuzma, uh, for our superstar duo. Uh, But before we get into all that, as usual, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes because the more you rate and review us, that's how many more dinner dates Cal Kuzma will continue to go on <laughs> with Vanessa Ann Hudgens. And those dinner dates seem to be doing him well if tonight is any indication, especially when it comes to his defensive intensity. So uh, yeah, more five-star ratings, more Canessa din-dins. Um, also, we have yet to get a single new review in the year of our Lord, LeBron James the Third, 2020, so please help rectify that. And the first person who gives us our newest review of 2020, we will read it on air uh, immediately for our next episode. So please help us out in that respect. Um, lastly, if you'd like to help us out in any small financial way, you can go to patreon.com slash the Lakers Legacy Podcast. We will start having exclusive content on there soon, so get in while you can now for as little as a buck a month. Uh, we are brought to you by lineups.com, and with all of that house cleaning out of the way, Andy, the Lakers, they've been fun this whole year. I mean, they are 36 and 9, so there's not a lot to complain about. But the Lakers have stumbled against the top, top teams. Um, if we're talking about the Clippers, who we potentially face in the Western Conference Finals, or maybe even the second round, or the Milwaukee Bucks, who we potentially face in a finals matchup. We are 0-3 against those two teams. And while the Boston Celtics are not of those same caliber, 
from a fan perspective and historical perspective, that was a huge game and we totally laid an egg. With all that being said, I just wanted to get your temperature check on what your thoughts are about this team as a whole. Are you confident rolling with this team right now, even with those um, even with those times where we've had a flat tire against these top teams? Or, or do you think that it's still such a small sample size? And when we get down to facing these teams in a seven-game series, a seven-game series where we'll have more time to figure out their games and game plan correctly, that this should all be shored up by the time the playoffs happen? Or do you still think that we still have some, some work to do? Yeah, I'm confident uh, with the current roster that we have. I think the only team that really presents a problem are the Clippers. You know, healthy... 100% each team, I think they have pretty good matchups against us. And just based on the two games, um, you know, that they played earlier, uh, they got some dogs. And those guys, they uh, they they pre- they play pretty good defense on us. And I feel like we have difficulties stopping their dynamic duo. So, um, yeah, I don't know if, if in a seven-game series if Vogel can kind of outsmart Doc Rivers. Now, what are your thoughts about, because, you know, the, the two games that we played against the Clippers, they're kind of a tale of, they, they were a tale of two games, one because Paul George and Kyle Kuzma weren't there for the first bout, and then the second game, they both were present, and if you remember, that was a game that the Lakers had, quote-unquote, in the bag. They were up by 15 in the third, they were even up by seven with, like, five minutes left, and they just totally... Uh, lost grip and lost hold of uh, their composure. So does that sort of change your perspective on things, kind of feeling that technically that second game should have been a win? How important is this next one coming up, this this third one coming <laughs> up on Tuesday, with regards to your confidence level about with the Lakers versus Clippers? Yeah, I think it just gets in your head. You know, if, if we lose three in a row... Mm-hmm really start kind of questioning do we have the manpower to beat this team but you know going back to your original question I think we got out to a hot start that second game just because of the result of the first game and then when things kind of leveled out you know we lost control and and kind of just lost the game so I think that's just a product of you know the the momentum swings that you know every team has but again in a seven game series it's a lot different um, I'm going to guess that neither team is going to be 100% healthy. You know, mm-hmm. someone's going to be out not playing on each team. So that obviously plays a factor. And I think right now the Clippers are more the unhealthy team than we are. Yeah, that's true. Um, and one thing I'd like to point out is that you're right that there's like a mental component to this where you kind of just want to get the monkey off your back, beat the Clippers. Like Braun has been in this league long enough to not have this phase him, you know, because when he was with Cleveland, I think they were like 0-4 against the Raptors during a certain year. And then when it came to the playoffs, that didn't end up mattering, right, to LeBron James. Yeah. Um, so that may still be the case here. But I think just as far as this is a new team that came together for the first time, Anthony Davis is still relatively young. You'd still like to see them win in the regular season before they face off against them in the playoffs, right? Because even though yeah. we know LeBron James is going to be fine, it would help the psyche of a guy like Anthony Davis and other people, even Kyle Kuzma, if he stays past the deadline, to know we're not scared of these guys. So... With regards to your confidence level on the Lakers, what are some things that have stood out uh, through the progression of this season that kind of give you that confidence in spite of in spite of your uncertainty with the Clippers and maybe the Bucks to know that yeah, I, I feel like they'll they'll figure things out. And I guess just overall, what are some positives that maybe you didn't expect early on that have sort of been highlighted to you um, and culminated in this you know thirty six and nine Lakers team? Yeah, I think just beating the teams that we're supposed to beat. That's, you know, the a sign of any great team. Um, that's the first step. And, mm-hmm. and I think we had, like, almost a perfect record, right, against below 500 teams until the Magic surprised us with their yeah. Magic. <laughs> with their uh, Magic. But, <laughs> but, you know, other than that, um, the other big shocker, I think, for me, was is Dwight. Mm-hmm. His, his ability to really embrace that uh, bench role. I think that's something that 
we were all hoping for in in the beginning of the season, but I don't think a lot of us had the confidence that he would be able to do that. So it's great to see him, you know, kind of redeem himself back in L.A. Uh, it'll be great showing in the uh, Chicago Slam Dunk Contest. I'm yeah. sure he's he's got some stuff up his sleeve. Uh, but yeah, Dwight, I think, has definitely been that wild card that has kind of lifted us over that hump uh, so far this season. Yeah, I'd agree. So the last few games, as I mentioned, the Lakers have been sort of lackadaisical and a little bit lazy to start the year off, even in spite of the fact that they're 10-2. and two. You've seen in, even in their wins that they've been sort of disinterested and going through the motions. Um, as a lot of people have been saying, these are sort of like the dog days of the NBA, an 82-game regular season, right? And the Lakers have done their fair share of the work taking care of business. And um, what are your thoughts about how they've approached this last month? Lack of intensity here and there that you can see within games, does that concern you at all? Or are you just cognizant of the fact that it's been a weird start to the year with Anthony Davis um, being out for five or so games, them reshuffling the lineup, and then them also having to deal with just, you know, 82 game regular season food coma and the fact that they're still 10 and 2 and, and fighting through this may be a good sign or are you are you worried at all that they, they've shown some signs of um just not having that that same intensity or do you just view it as is just the the course of a long season yeah I'm not, I'm not concerned i think the good thing is that they're still having fun and you can tell you know just mm-hmm. look at the bench that whole crew is just celebrating on all those small things and just kind of laughing things off too at the same time during those games. Um, so that's good to see. I think the only person in this world that could focus 82 games is Kobe Bryant and he is retired. So <laughs> I don't true. expect anyone to do that. Even LeBron can't even do that. You know, he has to have his fair share of fun. Um, but just to see that the guys on the road and at home, you know, just having fun out there, I think that's a positive sign for us. Yeah, I'd agree. And even in the last you know, two weeks or so, I wanted to highlight two Lakers wins that I thought, actually at three, when AD first went down, we were worried and we actually went to that game, the Knicks game where AD landed on his tailbone and we were just sitting there biting our nails for a good 10 minutes before he finally got up. And so we were worried about that. So the fact that Anthony Davis has since returned and is slowly starting to regain some of his bearings and look a little bit more healthy is great. But after that injury happened, we were a little bit worried at how long he'd be out, whether we'd be able to cope. And those first two games, you know, Dallas on the road and then OKC on the road right after that, we didn't know how the Lakers were going to fare. And at that time, Kyle Kuzma was still struggling with his identity and role on the team. And then they go into Dallas and they pretty much handle the Mavericks pretty easily. Kyle Kuzma has like 26 points. LeBron does his thing. And then they, they decide to sit LeBron the next night. And then what do the Lakers do without LeBron James and Anthony Davis? They blow out the Oklahoma City Thunder, who during that time, they were on a hot streak of their own. Kyle Kuzma has 36. Rondo has 21 points. And you could see the total culmination of the team's chemistry come into play with even veterans like Quinn Cook and Troy Daniels coming off of DNPs and contributing in meaningful ways, right? And so those two games were, I think, indicative and representative of what you've seen out of this team the entire year, that fight and grit, even amidst these, you know, momentary lapses that they've had. And then the other game I wanted to highlight was um, last Saturday against the Houston Rockets um, on the road. We didn't have we didn't have Anthony Davis for that game either. And. I know in the first half it was a competitive game, but then the second half, the Lakers really turned the screws on defense and absolutely wreaked havoc on the Houston Rockets and made them look silly, even in spite of all the the BS foul calls that they get, um, <laughs> and handily won that game in Houston. You know, So I thought that was a very... Um, they showed a lot of heart, grit, and physicality, especially Kyle Kuzma. Uh, Dwight Howard was the backbone of our defense there. Um, so I guess what are your thoughts on just um, the identity that this team has sort of built up and one that's been, I know there have been some concerns recently with the losses that we've had to like these physical wings like Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Aaron Gordon, the Clippers and Bucks, obviously that there's this concern, I think, amidst Lakers Nation that maybe the Lakers um, shy away from physicality or maybe when they get punched, punched in the chin, they're unable to really... Um, get back up and maybe sometimes they get bullied. I don't know if you you buy into that. I personally kind of don't because we've faced 
physical teams before, like the Miami Heat or the Utah Jazz. And I just think those those losses, while we do struggle against physical wings and whatnot, I don't think you become like the the fourth best defensive rated team in the league by not being physical, right? By being soft. Um, so first, what are your thoughts on the, the identity the Lakers have built here? And then your thoughts on um, whether you're concerned about their, their level of physicality and fight just being front runners, or do you think that's a little overstated right now based off of the losses that we've had this year? Yeah, I think um, in, in reference to the identity, I think with just our play style in general, it's very loose, you know, it's... Uh, like to run and lots of outlet passes. So I think naturally it's just going to be, uh, you know, less sets uh, that you can, you know, point out easily and, and more just kind of run and gun. So um, with that play style, I think uh, going back to the, the defensive physicality aspect, you're going to lack some just because you're running up and down all the time. And, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, you, you don't really have those, those guys who pound you in the post or anything like that. So offensively, yeah, we're not going to be really physical. The only physicality coming from us is just LeBron kind of bullying his way in um, and then the big guys cleaning up. But, you know, we don't really have mm-hmm. that that uh, wing enforcer guy who will, you know, shore up any kind of, um, you know, big perimeter guy that you were speaking of. So right. I think... Defensively, we're just a help team, and I think that's how we kind of built our defense this year, just having those bigs as the last line of defense and having everyone funnel them towards them. So physicality, I'm not really too concerned. It's just the product of our play style. Yeah, I'd agree. Uh, I think theoretically in certain circumstances, Cal Kuzma would maybe be that guy. He's shown it here and there in spurts. It's not been a consistent thing yet where you can trust him with that. Although he's shown a little bit more physicality in this new year. And I guess it's something we can talk about when we get into like the trade section and his fit on this team. But I'd agree with you. I mean, the Lakers are third in fast break points in the league. Um, you see the leak outs, the, the transition runs and whatnot. Um, I think where the Lakers physicality comes into play, like you said, is just how freakishly long they are. Uh, they have like four guys who are 6'9 or taller. Uh, they have amazing wingspan, and when Anthony Davis, JaVale McGee, and Dwight Howard are all there rotating as this three-headed monster, um, that can wear on a team, you know? And especially Dwight Howard, I mean, he's not really, you know, getting into scrums and fights with people, but he's still banging down low against um, anybody who waltzes into the lane and whatnot. So we'll we'll see how the Lakers continue to progress. I think once the playoffs start, that physicality will come into play and we'll see how they respond to, you know, getting punched in the mouth and, and whether or not they can get back up. Cause I, I think a lot of people are concerned right now that the Lakers are bullies when they're front running, right? They're good front runners, but when they get knocked down, how do they respond? So something to monitor right now, still a small sample size. Um, love, would love to see how we face off against the Clippers that third game. And then obviously that second game against the Bucks when Giannis hopefully doesn't hit five threes. Okay. <laughs> Which is, I felt like an anomaly. <laughs> Here's a question for you. Um, who's, how would you rank our top three physical guys? Who, who, who are those top three? I think it's Dwight, mm-hmm. Anthony Davis. And Anthony Davis, like, more because he's just, like, an a, like alienishly long, you know? Um, <laughs> and then... And he just does things that other people can't. Although I'll also give him credit for just being everywhere on defense. I mean, he's the anchor of our defense um, before he went down. So I'd probably go um, Dwight, Anthony Davis, and LeBron. <laughs> uh, what about you? Yeah, I think Dwight is, is, and you know, this is going back to our original conversation about Dwight. He has this newfound role of just trying to pester the opponent you know he, he i think he leads the team in techs right um and he just kind of yeah. bullies people mentally i think he tries to get mm-hmm. in their head he throws unnecessary elbows um just because people are grabbing onto him so i think you know with his reserve role he knows that he can get a t and he can maybe even get ejected and it wouldn't really hurt the team as much as you know when he was a superstar so 
I think he's really stepped up his physicality uh, this year, the most I've seen in his career. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think I think the other guy would be Avery Bradley for me. Mm, okay. um, just even though he's small in frame, he likes to get up in that you know the defensive um, stands up in the the opponent's face and kind of just pestering him that way. Uh, but of course, he gets fouls really easily too. <laughs> right, right. So I think pound for pound, what you're saying is Avery Bradley is like right up there. Yeah. Yeah. But I think there's a huge drop between, you know, Dwight's level physicality and then the next guy up. Sure. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting if come the trade deadline, we try to get that, that Ron Artest Meta World Peace guy who just mm. kind of, you know, lock down a perimeter defender or something. Sure. And we'll get to that in the next segment. I think Dwight is able to do more of that this year as well because he's in a more limited role. You know, he's playing 20 minutes or so. So he knows when he goes in, just like leave it all on the floor for those 20 minutes. You know, he doesn't have to preserve Mm -hmm. anything where when he was a starter, he's playing 32, 35. Right. Um, But yeah, good on Dwight. And my, my last thing that I wanted to bring up is how does it feel for you to once again watch a team that It's not like they're being, you know, laissez-faire or whatever, but it kind of just feels like at this point, for the most part, they know who they are, we know who they are, and they're just kind of waiting for the games to start mattering when the playoffs start, and they're just hoping no one gets injured. And they have the record and the buffer to kind of wait that out. Is it weird for you to be in this place once again where we're just like, it's it's not even February yet, but we're like, man, can we just start the playoffs already? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. when we have these veteran guys who are just kind of crossing our fingers, don't fall down and just last through April. Yeah, that's something we haven't had or experienced in a while. So definitely a different frame of mind when you're watching these Laker games these days. Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, we're, we're privileged and blessed. We're just hoping for health. And yeah. Uh, with that said, we'll end our segment one right here. When we return, we'll talk about the trade deadline, Cal Kuzma's role, and then we'll wrap it up. So we'll pitch it to our sponsors, and then we'll catch you guys after the turn. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. All right, so we're back, and Andy, I wanted to talk to you about Kyle Kuzma. Kyle Hudgens Kuzma. Um, <laughs> he is also on my fantasy team this year. Um, he has had to undergo a pretty big role shift from last year, even his rookie year, where he was kind of came out of nowhere, was this diamond in the rough type player. Last year, he was kind of jockeying back and forth with Brandon Ingram to be that number two guy. This year, he's fallen to the number three spot. And with the injuries that he's incurred, how up and down his season has been, needless to say, this is an understatement, he has struggled to fit in with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Now, if you remember... Kevin Love, whether it was before the season or during this season, has mentioned how hard it is to be the third guy to LeBron James and superstar X number two, right? Uh, In his case, it was Kyrie Irving. Uh, Chris Bosh has also intimated these statements. And I'm not even comparing Kyle Kuzma to these guys because these guys were more well-established and legitimate all-stars, right? So you can imagine that when all-stars like them are saying it's going to be difficult to take a not only a backseat, but a back backseat, <laughs> especially as a young guy like Kyle Kuzma, who's still trying to find himself, it's going to be hard. And what have your thoughts been about Kyle Kuzma's inconsistent play this year, his role, and I guess how the Lakers have deployed him? Um, because for me, and I, I again, I just want to say I'm not making excuses for this guy, but I just look at his stats this year um, as the third option. And for reference, Kevin Love's first year with LeBron James and uh, Kyrie Irving, as the third guy, he was playing 31 minutes per game. He averaged 16 points, 43% from the field, which isn't great for him, and 36% from three, 
um, hitting 1.83s a game as the third guy. And that's a huge departure from his like 22 points, right, with Minnesota. Um, right. And obviously I know that Kevin Love is a much better player than Kyle Kuzma. He's a much better rebounder, much better passer, smarter player. But in terms of just touches and points, huge drop. Mm-hmm. So 31 minutes for Kevin Love his first year. Kyle Kuzma's not even getting 31 minutes, Andy. He's averaging 24 minutes a game this year. Kevin Love that year, I think averaged like 14 shot attempts. Kyle Kuzma's only at 11 shot attempts this year. It seems like these days he has no plays run for him, really. He's kind of just floating on, on the perimeter. And I think a lot of fans are wondering, why is he only averaging 13 points? He's, he's touted as this guy who is a walking bucket. Why is he so inconsistent with his shot, et cetera, et cetera. And I think for me, what I've come to realize is that while the Lakers like to tout Kyle Kuzma as the third guy and LeBron James and Anthony Davis like to say, you know, he's our, he's our young up and coming dude. Jared Dudley says Kyle Kuzma is the key, et cetera, et cetera. While they like to tout him as that third guy, they don't necessarily put him in a position to be that third guy, if that makes sense, based off of the lineups that he's in. Usually he's in with Rondo, and Rondo doesn't do a good job of finding Kyle Kuzma. Or most of the time, Rondo's pounding the rock for 18 seconds of the 24-second shot clock. Um, Kyle Kuzma does not have a lot of isolation plays run for him. And really, he has to take what the offense gives him. So with that said, what are your thoughts about him fitting in? And, and do you agree with my assessment that the Lakers are just not prioritizing making Kyle Kuzma that third guy. And really, I don't know if we can blame them for not doing that because they are 36 and nine, right? So it's yeah. like how, how, I guess my question is, how important is it that Kyle Kuzma is even a 16 point scorer versus him just kind of doing what needs to be done? We've seen that when a guy like Anthony Davis goes down, Kyle Kuzma steps up and averages like 24 points. Is it okay for you that we just know that Kyle Kuzma can do that? Yeah, I, I completely agree with, you know your assessment i think it's we're not putting him in a position where he can be that traditional third big you know um, especially in the box box score so uh you know again not to make excuses for him but it it hasn't really been a fair assessment this year just because of the injuries um you know and, and all the things going on in his personal life but i think pressure really gets to him you know, mm-hmm. if, if if we tout him as this third guy, I think it puts too much pressure on him. And I don't think he can live up to that pressure just yet. It's He's still, you know, a young guy. And you can see, you know, when he tries too hard, he turns the ball over. Or mm-hmm. he, you know, he, he he's not playing under control. So um, when those, during those times when he's shine, the time when both of our star our stars were sitting and he blew up for 36 i think it was because he had no pressure you know every everyone thought oh this is a game we're just going to throw away um and then all of a sudden kuzma just you know rises to the occasion um but in this day and age in this this year this season where we don't have a big three anymore i don't think it is that important to build him as that third guy yeah, because um, we we're only playing with dynamic duos these days, so it's it's an even playing field, um, and I think the less pressure you know we put on him, uh, the more he'll succeed. But it'll be interesting to see, you know, if he can get at least seventy five percent healthy, because I feel like he's still kind of limping around sometimes, mm-hmm. um, and see you know, and and uh, when the playoffs come, when the pressure really rises if he's able to first of all if he's still on the team but if he's able to you know again play to the level that we need him to play at so i think what's important for kakuzma right now and i think some credit should be given to him with the fact that he hasn't really complained about his role obviously he doesn't have the cachet to complain but it's not like he's forcing up a billion shots either right he's literally taken what's given to him and so you kind of got to give him credit for that and sometimes people have actually said maybe he's trying to fit in too much um, to, to his own discredit. Um, but I think for him, he needs to focus now, now that he kind of knows that this is what it's going to be. It's like half the season now, uh, the consistency that we need from Kakuzma is not going to happen so much in the points department because it's going to waver back and forth. 
One night he'll have 10 points, the next night he might have 25, and then it'll go back to 8 points. We know it's going to be inconsistent because the way that they deploy him has been inconsistent this season. What we need to see consistently from him, though, is the, is the little things, like playing defense solidly, the physicality, playing smarter on defense, playing smarter on offense, doing the little things, grabbing the loose balls, diving for balls, etc., etc., finding other ways to help his team without necessarily having the ball in his hands. And it's yeah. unfortunate because Kyle Kuzma is a scorer, so it, we're not even using his best asset. But on this team with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, unfortunately, that's how things are going to be. So for him, it's important, especially as a young player, to know that at least I'm contributing to winning basketball. And even though it might not be in the flashy way that I'm used to, just putting the ball in the hoop and getting momentum that way, maybe I can do it by stripping this ball over here or like diving for that loose ball or getting this offensive rebound. Recently, he's had a lot of really exciting putbacks, you know, out of nowhere. So I think the intensity, hustle, and effort that's the consistency that we need from Kuzma versus the points production because that is always going to waver based off of how they're using him. And this is an interesting stat, but Kyle Kuzma last season averaged 15 shot attempts per game. Uh, he averaged almost 19 points. This season, do you know how many games Kyle Kuzma has taken at least 14 shot attempts in? What's your best guess? My best guess, um, five. <laughs> a little more than that so <laughs> i feel like he hasn't even played 10 games <laughs> <laughs> that's funny so he's had 10 games where he's where he's put up at least 14 shots in those 10 games he's averaging 22.4 points hmm. so i mean already there you see that with points and with minutes, Kakuzma sort of produces right but on any given night sometimes they don't need him to do all of that in the five games where Kakuzma has averaged 30 minutes or more, he's averaging 24 points. So it's not really a matter of whether or not Kakuzma can still put up 19. We know he can. It's just, is that an important thing for the Lakers to see? I guess my last question to you regarding this is, okay, so we know at the end of the day, it's going to be LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and the role players just have to take turns stepping up, and Kakuzma's fit into that. But given what we know about Kyle Kuzma's capabilities and our long-term vision for the playoffs and getting him confident for that, do you think it's important to start changing the way that we deploy him and giving him more touches? Kind of like the way that we saw when AD was out, kind of divvied up a little bit and meet him midway in the middle and maybe even run some easy plays for him to get like, a, like an easy lob dunk or something to get him going so that his first shots aren't just, let me chuck it up from the perimeter. Is it important to start getting that process in now, even if we know that it's not important that Kakuzma needs to consistently average 16 points, but just for his psyche, um, do you think it's important to start doing that so that we have him confident and ready for the playoffs? Yeah, I think it definitely helps, you know, especially with a young player like him. And his offensive mindset, if he starts seeing, you know, that we're prioritizing him in the defense, in the offensive sets, I think he definitely will get, you know, some kind of edge going into the playoffs. But um, realistically, you know, as you, as you said earlier, when we're winning, it's hard to change things. So I'm not sure if we will actually, you know, cater to his needs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've seen a more concerted effort in doing so, but Unfortunately, with LeBron James and Anthony Davis and the timeline that we're on, it's hard to have a veteran team like this and also, like, on the side, try and bring up a young player, you know? Mm -hmm. So, with that said, lastly, the last segment, I mean, the trade deadline's coming up February 6th. Kyle Kuzma is the only real asset outside of Taylor Horton Tucker, I guess, that we can give up to, you know, acquire <laughs> another player of value. And, and you mentioned, you know, the one thing that we're missing is maybe that physical Ron Artest-like wing defender. Um, and we have gotten punked a little by guys like Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, uh, Kawhi Leonard, Giannis Antetokounmpo, who else? Aaron Gordon even, right? These physical wings. Um, Kyle Kuzma has shown his versatility in some respects. Like, he did a good job against Paul George, against the Houston Rockets game. He showed his versatility by they switched Russell Westbrook onto him and he pretty much shut <laughs> Russell Westbrook down in the second half. Um, but with regards to like the top, top wings in the league, while we know that LeBron James can step up in the playoffs and make life harder for them, I don't think we want to put the burden on him to do that. So what are your feelings on 
trading Kyle Kuzma and what sort of player would you be willing to trade Kyle Kuzma for? Or right now, overall, do you think that the the team's chemistry is too great right now to, to make such a significant shift and maybe you'd rather go like the buyout market buyout market route and just add somebody versus subtracting somebody? Yeah, I think if the trade deadline came and went and we still had the same roster as we have today, I wouldn't be disappointed as I would be, you know, some other seasons prior. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we've got, like you said, a solid team with good chemistry. And the only team that really kind of scares me right now is, is the Clippers. But I'm willing to roll the dice in a seven-game series riding out LeBron. So That's true. Let's just, yeah, let's just focus on maybe as you said maybe adding some other guy um through free agency or buyout um i don't know if iggy is still out there thinking about moving to an la team but i'd much rather have him be wearing the purple than gold than that black white gangster (laughs) clipper jersey that they got going on (laughs) i don't know what what are your thoughts no I, i agree with you Obviously, there were those Bogdanovich rumors early on that I don't think are very realistic. And I sort of just like um, the versatility that Kuzma gives us because the analytics of Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and Kyle Kuzma lineups when they're out there, that's not a lineup that we've deployed a lot. I don't know if we're just saving that for the playoffs, but when those three guys are out there at the same time, we are a very, very good team and the net rating nets that out. Hmm. And we've seen Kyle Kuzma, like, just having that length and then... Frank Vogel has mentioned he wants to start trying, he wants to start to put Kyle Kuzma at the three more. Having Kuzma, LeBron, and Anthony Davis out there at the same time, along with KCP, who, by the way, we got to give KCP props. This dude is yeah. shooting 42% from three. Yeah. My goodness, most consistent shooter on the team. Lord have mercy <laughs> on all of us. Um, but, I mean, just having a lineup like that is so physically imposing. And you've seen us start to play zone, right? Um, Mm -hmm. when we start to, when we play zone, we do it effectively because we just stretch out our arms and like the whole court is covered. Right. (laughs) So I feel like if you lose Kuzma, you better be getting a wing back at least, you know, um, because you can't trade like there's this Derek Rose rumor going around. How do you feel about trading Kyle Kuzma for Derek Rose? I know primary scoring is an important need and we don't want to have Rondo be the only one who can pick up the slack, but It makes no sense to me. No. Uh, why would you go down that route? I mean, it may be very, very short term, but we're really jeopardizing our future with that move. Right. And and who's to say that Derrick Rose is not going to be able to, or who's to say Derrick Rose perfectly fits into a role here where he has to give up the ball to Anthony yeah. Davis and LeBron James, and he's not the best spot-up three-point shooter either, you know? Yeah. yeah. His, his utility would literally be, when LeBron James and Anthony, well, when LeBron James is off the court. And I know that would help a lot, but it, it downgrading in size and physicality to me, you're just kind of shifting the problem a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. So what if I told you Markeith Morris is coming with Derrick Rose? <laughs> <laughs> I'd do exactly what I just did. I'd laugh. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, let's say they will do that because Markeith Morris is on a veteran minimum contract. What if we're able to get a wing and a primary score? W- are you a little bit more amenable to that? I mean, I guess, but I'm, I'm really not a, a D. Rose fan at this okay. point of his career. So I'd much rather roll with the coups. All right. What about... Robert Covington, because he is that Ron Artest type guy that you mentioned, or is that too much in your opinion of a lateral move? Yeah, I think we talked about that a couple of weeks ago, and I, for one, like Rocco, but I think you had different thoughts on him, right? Yeah, I think he's essentially like he is like the most optimal three and D you can think of. Yeah. He's like KCP, like the good KCP that we've seen this year, but add <laughs> add four inches. And the reason why KCP wasn't able to stack up against uh, Kawhi Leonard was because he's just too short, you know? It's not due to lack of effort or skill on the defensive end. He's just too short. Robert Covington has the wingspan and the height to, to back that up. So the problem is, though, what happens if LeBron James goes down for, for a spell? It's like we're already lacking in the primary scoring department. I'd rather roll the dice on Kuzma giving us spurts of good defense the way that he's shown 
while still giving us that ceiling offensively. You know what I mean? Where we know that, mm-hmm. oh, randomly Kuzma can score 15 points in three minutes. You know that Robert Covington can't do that, you know? Right. And the one thing I'll give Kuzma, even though he's been inconsistent from three this season, do you know what he's shooting from the baselines, the, the corner threes? I feel like it's a pretty high percentage. It's like 60%. He's like our wow. highest three-point shooter from the baseline. And you know that those those are the spots that LeBron James loves to pass to, you know? Yeah. Um, and so he's pretty much doing probably better than what Robert Covington Robert Covington does there. So if he can just improve his above-the-break three-point shot attempts and gives us spurts on defense, I feel like you still get a better, you know, overall outcome than a Robert Covington while still also leaving room for the future because he is young and cost controlled, et cetera, et cetera. You may gain some veteran leadership from Robert Covington, but I, I think he's only been in the playoffs like twice too. So it's, it's not that much of a huge leap. So, right. so with regards to the buyout market, obviously you'd probably be okay with like signing a Darren Collison and calling it a day, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, I'd prefer getting that, you know, longer player with a little more muscle, but Darren Collison, I won't complain for sure. Yeah, he, he brings um, he brings an edge. You know, I think he he would definitely help with uh, veteran leadership as well as just um, on court smarts. You know, I think he's a he's a heady guy on the court. So mm-hmm. a definite plus. I don't think he brings any negatives with him. Yeah, and I think with Collison too, he's just going to do a better job of not pounding the rock like Rondo does. And when he's open for three, he'll do a decent job knocking that shot down. And most of all, I think he'll help Kyle Kuzma on the bench and get him the shots that he needs to versus Rondo running around with the ball for most of the shot clock and then just pitching it off to someone last second. So we can only hope for Collison. And my last question with regards to Collison is who do we cut, Andy? (laughs) <laughs> so your choices are Demarcus Cousins, Troy Daniels, Jared Dudley, Quinn Cook. We're not going to cut Taylor Horton Tucker because he is our only other asset. So who yeah. are we cutting? Um, I mean, if if we're going to get a point guard in Darren Collison, I think we have to cut a point guard. So Ooh. I'm going. I'm going Troy Daniels. Sorry. Oh, guy. okay, okay. You're, you're, <laughs> you consider Troy Daniels a point guard? Okay. no i I agree with you a small a small point guard okay i thought you were gonna say quinn cook but i was like lebron james (laughs) and anthony davis love that dude you know yeah Um, yeah yeah and the other thing about quinn cook too is he has an interesting contract where only half of it is guaranteed this upcoming summer so that could inevitably be a a trade chip or value to somebody if they want to cut him but regardless i think i agree with you as much as it would suck to like lose any one member of this team that seems so tightly knit if you're getting darren collison i feel like you got to make that swap right they're not going to cut demarcus cousins at this point because he means a lot to their chemistry off the court and a lot to anthony davis um and they think that he might come back so um (laughs) unfortunately troy daniels probably has to be it and that i don't think is not even indicative of you know anything he's done wrong right because when he has come in the games he has contributed he has shown that he can Mm -hmm. shoot the ball and um i don't know i guess we'll just see when the trade i'll be happy when february 6 is over and the lakers can go back to being happy kumbaya i mean they're already that but i'm a little worried at what anything will do to this team if any shakeup happens you know so um (laughs) With that said, Andy, thank you for hopping on the show. The Lakers are number one in the West, and we're like heading towards the playoffs. We're crossing our fingers for health. And any last words you want to give to uh, Lakers Nation and um, me? <laughs> I don't know why me. But... <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Well, we got All-Star Weekend around the corner. Yes. LeBron is confirmed as the team captain again, right? Yes. Does the, does the first pick go to Giannis this year? Oh, good question. Like, if they have the better record, I don't or remember how they do swap? it. They might do like a coin flip or something, but it, it might go to Giannis. Are you okay, asking say, who's going to get AD? <laughs> well, let's say Giannis gets AD. Who does LeBron pick as his number one pick? Oh my gosh, that's a good question. Because it's not like last year where he's just picking up all these free agents to be. Kind of, right. you know, courting all these guys to come to to come to LA. It's a different scenario this year. What route do you think he goes? 
So there's two, I have two contenders. One is a clutch guy. He may pick Ben Simmons. Um, <laughs> is Ben Simmons part of the, I think Ben Simmons is part of the pool, right? I think. Yeah, I don't think he is. Out of oh, the 10? Oh, okay. well, you know, he'll probably be a reserve, but I don't right. I think you have to go starters first, right? So I think it's in the East, it's Trey Young as point guard. Um, so that takes up Simmons' spot. Yeah. yeah. I forgot the other guy on the East. <laughs> I should know, but... <laughs> it's okay. I was going to go with Embiid. What do Embiid. you think? I think he'd go... Wait, Kawhi is in there? Can he only... Sorry, we're like botching this. Can, <laughs> can they, he, It doesn't have to just be like Western Conference players, right? No, no, no. I think it's out of the 10 starters. Well, obviously eight yeah. because the two team captains. But out of those eight, um, they pick first. Here's a, okay. Do you agree with my assessment of Embiid, or do you think he goes dark horse? Like, if he can't get AD, he goes like Luca or something. Yeah, yeah. I don't. You I, think, I think so? He goes, yeah, I think he goes something weird that we wouldn't really expect. <laughs> I don't think he's going for the win or anything. <laughs> but that would be fun, you know, Luca. I know he idolizes LeBron, so that would be a fun uh, duo to see on the court. Yeah, that'd be that'd be very interesting. What are your thoughts about Dwight Howard asking Kobe Bryant to join him in the slam dunk contest? <laughs> well, it's obviously all a marketing ploy, but uh, I highly doubt that Kobe will will even uh, consider going to help him out in Chicago. <laughs> I was I was joking on Twitter that Dwight Howard's pitch to Kobe Bryant is, "Hey, Kobe, I can finally roll to the basket and just dunk." <laughs> <laughs> and you can you can run the pick and roll and Kobe's like oh finally all right let's do this um, but yeah it should be a fun all-star weekend Anthony Davis is in his hometown of Chicago and we are very well represented in the purple and gold unfortunately Alex Caruso couldn't get the job done I think he was fourth <laughs> in West Guards but uh hopefully they'll invite him to like the skills challenge or something just for fun um KCP probably should be in the three-point shootout 42 yeah. percent so there you go. All right, Andy, thanks so much for hopping on. We'll catch Thank you next you. time. Um, Shamrock McFlurry at a McDonald's near you. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod, and we will catch you guys next time. Andy, have a good night. You too. Thank you. Later. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done.